podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. All right, this is The Whistleblowers, and I'm Martin Gritton, uh, and I'm today joined by David Priest, the ex-goalkeeper of many wonderful and worldly football clubs, including Sunderland, Aberdeen, Silkburg, Barnsley, and my, one of my old clubs, Lincoln City. Uh, there's there's an Icelandic club in there, David. Uh, Keflavik. Keflavik. And, and how long? And what, was that one of your last clubs? Yeah, I, I went there for two months just to, uh, it's a bit of a favour for me, and a bit nice. of a final fling for myself. Nice, nice. Well, it's certainly a, a great list of clubs. Makes me feel a little bit better about my long rap sheet myself. <laughs> Perhaps uh, more provincial English towns rather than uh, world clubs. Uh, and also we're joined by Dan Trelfer, uh, published author, somewhat regular guest here and lifetime QPR fan. Uh, good afternoon, yeah. Dan. Hello. How's things? Very Yeah, good. Yep. Yep. Quite happy with the start, mid-table. Better than I thought. That's yeah. That's that's a defeatist attitude already, it is. isn't it? But one of acceptance. I think. I, I, you know, we were talking about it before the season started, and I've got a thing about how most fans at most clubs in the football league go. Yeah, we should be able to try and make a push for the playoff. It doesn't matter where, realistically, where they're going to finish. They all say that. This is the first season I've ever seen. Oh. Everyone just sitting around going, "Well, let's hope we stay up, eh?" Well, that's, well you touched upon it briefly with um, the finish to the season, and it's probably we forget how close. QPR were to relegation yeah. and you were just saying yeah, yeah, just yeah. to repeat we what you'd said we had 50 points with 8 games left so I think Holloway thought we were safe and started experimenting and stuff suddenly we lost 6 games in a row and we beat Forest in our last home game and then lost heavily at Norwich on the last day but if we hadn't have beaten Forest we would have gone down we would have yeah. gone down would have, you know incredibly with having 50 points with 8 games left to go down would have been unbelievable but yeah. it was that close it really was it's Amazing. Yeah, well, uh, not a great start for you guys, but but even worse um, this weekend, as we saw the turnout, the biggest sporting mismatch of the weekend wasn't in Vegas, but probably at Anfield, uh, where we saw, uh, what would you, how would you put that, David, uh, in terms of that defeat for uh, Liverpool, well, Arsenal, I should say. Yeah, I think everyone's described it perfectly well, uh, embarrassing, pathetic, I think it's, the fact that the probably the only player that put up uh, any sort of kind of resistance was, uh, was Petr Cech. And, and, and he had little choice in the matter, really. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's a great quote from somebody, you know, they've seen that uh, maybe Liverpool have seen Arsenal as like a, as a League Cup game. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they're even the rest the first choice keeper. That's a depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a really interesting fact about uh, Czech saying that he's conceded more goals uh, in his three seasons at Arsenal than in his previous 11 at Chelsea now I think that game of the weekend overtook that but it, it just shows you that the, you know when people talk about keep, uh, keepers keeping clean sheets how important it is that, you know it's got a hell of a lot more to do with what's in front of them really than what you do yourself you know a lot of keepers can you know have great games and still concede goals if, you, if, you, if you're a team at the bottom of the league but certainly it helps if you've got some some sort of solid defence in front of you, which uh, Czech obviously hasn't. Yeah, well, that's it. And you, would, would you put it squarely on the back four, uh, excuse the pun, but also the, the lads in front of them? Because I think there's been a real a real problem with that. And, uh, Grant Jack, I, he was a, uh, an issue for them at the weekend, but there's his replacements, you know, he's the guy on the pitch. If he's not getting pushed by decent teammates... It seems if a, a sort of a perennial problem for them that they've they never seem to replace the the kind of uh, Gilberto Silva type who who will do all the dirty work. I mean, he's a fantastic footballer as well, mm. 
but they need that protection in front of them as well. And uh, many times they, they they just get left sort of um, exposed a lot. So it, it's 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 simply not just the the back four or back three and back five as they're playing now, but. It's the whole team. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it is, but I mean, it's it's clever, and it's it, this is the thing. It's not about the teams being soft. It's not that they have to go around kicking people, or they need a hard man in there. It's just sort of, it's just a desire to want to do no. that. And you, you see too many times in you know when you when you replay in the analysis of the goals that have conceded, where a lot of the uh, the closing down is just simply half-hearted. Or getting back in position, yeah. it's half hard. It's just doing their jobs, isn't it? Because it's like they were putting, you know, Gary Neville was, you know, <laughs> if he'd have been in charge of Arsenal, I think he would have killed them at half time. He must have had he a was really so bad day. He was so angry on the TV yeah. because he was just watching this, just saying, it's not even about whether you're an attacking player or a defending player. Liverpool player passed behind you and like Ramsey or Ozil or whoever, or their entire midfield just stood there or jogged back or walked back. And he's saying, when the ball's gone past you, you sprint back. You look, yeah. you sprint back to the ball, and they just weren't. I mean, it's so it's not even like you say. It's not even about the type of player. It's like any player should do mm. that. It doesn't matter yeah, exactly. what, yeah. who you are. Do you think that's a contributing factor for not just playing at Liverpool? Has, has Anfield become a place that players are fearing more necessarily because of the way that Klopp plays? So with that intensity, and I think Klopp said himself that you know his team were f- more physical, more more intense, and and a lot stronger than 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 Arsenal certainly, but. Is that a, something, a characteristic of his team, Dan, when you've I seen think, them play? I think so. I think the Liverpool, one of my favourite teams to watch now, which hasn't been the case for a few years, I mm. don't think. And they, um, there's a good stat about how many goals they score, uh, score early on and how many, you know, they, they scored more goals in the first 25 minutes last season than any other team in the league by about eight goals or something yeah. like that. They really... Come out the box. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you get caught in that, like Arsenal did yesterday and you're not ready and you're not chasing back and you're not defending properly and you're not following your men, then you can quite easily get rolled over by them because mm. they're irresistible. And I mean, yesterday they did it for the whole game. But I think, yeah, I think it is, it is difficult for teams to go there, but there's no excuse for the way Arsenal played. I mean, no, that's it. I think well, there's key moments in the game where you can give the other team a, an opportunity to smell blood. And when they see the weakness, they, they just exploit it. And the Premier League is, is as ruthless as any league for that. I mean, um, just going back to your point there, David, about uh, changing a keeper. So, you know, how much how much do you think that that's a legitimate resting or is there something more to that? When something like this happens, I always think to myself, well, they know, or the Jurgen Klopp certainly knows more, a hell of a lot more about the situation than we do, What you know, why he's done it. You know, you can see what's happening in training. And he, and he might think, you know, it's a long season. He, last season he might have seen uh, some sort of uh, I don't know like a, a, a mental fatigue coming into uh, Mignolet's yeah. play like he said himself Mignolet wasn't happy about being yeah. dropped and the fact that he, was, he wasn't put on the bench kind of removes the embarrassment of being dropped Got you. If, or, yeah. because no matter how which way a manager words it you've been dropped out the side yeah. so it doesn't matter and it's a game against Arsenal you know, it's we, a big game. It's, it, yeah, doesn't matter whether we joke about saying that the rest of the scene was a, a you know a league cup fixture these days. The fact that he's, he's taken on the side and it, it wouldn't have sat well with him. And then I think that, especially with goalkeepers, we've seen it can ha- it can work in the past with Barcelona when uh, when with Bravo and uh, Testegen, you know, swapping alternating between the, the the Champions League and the in La Liga, and it can work. 
but I think, you know, if you ask any goalkeeper, you want that sort of continuity and that sort of consistency in your game where you're playing week in, week out, where you, you end up not having to think about things too much and yeah. it becomes automatic about getting in the zone. And Done the defence on that as well, the same if, if, Of course, it's, a, it's about working relationship. It's not, it's not, it's not about uh, something that's conscious. It's just about the familiarity of playing with people, who uh, with players that you know what their traits are, where they're going to be, yeah. um, you know, in certain... what. They, what their reaction is going to be in certain situations. It's all about getting, once you've, you, you get through six games, a dozen games, then it starts becoming sort of an automatic type of thing. Yeah, and it, well, you see that from Spurs, you see that from teams that have managed to keep that consistency and have a manager that's given them that belief and back the players. Yeah, and, and, it, and, it, and it works, especially in the Arsenal know this better than anybody, you know, with the tradition they've had under George Graham, they knew that being drilled defensively that's the only. It's the only way you can you can get that uh, that sort of cohesion, consistency. Yeah, yeah. cohesion and consistency yeah. as, a, as a back four or back five. And and I think that in modern day football, certainly, you know, you go through all through the academies. You know, everything is focused on attacking player and uh, at the detriment, obviously, of, of defensive play. Well, I'd just to add that this season we've teamed up with Labrooks and we'll be bringing you plenty of specials. Our first is a bet £5, get £20. This means if you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another 20 to your account. As a listener to this podcast, you can get this by following the link at bet.thewhistleblowers.net. We'll be tweeting this uh, bet £5 and get £20 link, adding it on our Facebook, and we've put it in the description of this podcast too. So we'll come back to that. I remember when I was at Lincoln, uh, Keith Alexander um, said that I looked at and gave me a rest, and it was 18 months later before I played another game. So there is, been, I must have looked really there. fatigued in that game, <laughs> and I've had that chat before. And uh, yeah, it's not always, it's not always but, a nice but it's one. A, it was a... A calculated gamble. Obviously, he sees Caris in training. Caris has obviously been impressing enough to to think that well, I'm, it's it's not a, he's not seeing it as a risk. But yeah. you looked at him again, and I was quite I was really looking forward to coming for him come back in English football because it, when he was at Mainz, he's he looked as if he was maturing. He looked confident, looked like a typical confident German goalkeeper. Yeah, um, and it's took him a long time. Uh, you know, he, he got knocked early on. Yeah. Uh, in his confidence. And then being dropped, and, and, and that can really co- affect you. Yeah, it? yeah. But conversely, it was the best thing that happened to to Simon Mignolet at the time because it, he hasn't looked back really, and, and I think he's had another. He's had a good start the season again. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I like. I, I don't agree. I wouldn't agree with it. And if it's if you're going to introduce carriers for cup games, that's fine as well. But there's also like there is a sort of uh, thinking behind it that he might actually be playing carriers in the Champions League games as well. Yeah. So uh, to give him, so now they've got the Champions, they're in, they qualify the Champions League game. He's given him a, a, a game before that he comes into to playing those games. Well, you've uh, Dan just put him, uh, keeping it on goalkeepers for now. I, you've seen at QPR when Robert Green was there. I said it was an England quality goalkeeper, and that was a man that was, yeah. I, uh, for all the listeners, he's dancing, shaking his head, and looked at me quizzically. Uh, well, what would you say from your experience of seeing him? You know, at, Rob at Green, home, yeah, home and away, or I, uh, I. It was a strange one, Rob Green, because I think he he had a similar thing that you were talking about about how keepers like to stay in goal, and and, um, and he had a, you know had a terrible start. He was uh, in a friendly in the Far East when Mark Hughes signed him. He dropped the ball. They scored about a week later. Hughes signed Julio Cesar, mm. and then from then on, they you know Cesar was in goal for a bit. Then Rob Green came in, and Redknapp took over, and he put. Rob Green in, then took him out, and put Cesar back in, and he had a horrible time. Then when we got relegated, he was great in the championship first year. Um. 
And then he sort of, to me, I felt like he, he really went off the boil and his, his, um, his kicking, which is so important mm, yeah. nowadays. And I'm saying that since 92, aren't we? But you know what I mean? Um, he let him down a bit. But at Leeds last season, they loved him. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's important. And, and now, you know, everyone talks about Rob Green, but we've had a keeper at QPR now, Alex Smith. He's, he's excellent. He's really? a really excellent goalie. Yeah. You know, all QPR fans. He was player of the season last year. I'd be surprised if a Premier League club doesn't come in soon because he's a really, really good. It player. gives you confidence as a yeah. fan as well, doesn't it? Yeah, because that's especially one when position. your defence is as bad as ours. It's, very, <laughs> it's a lot of confidence <laughs> to have Smithies in goal. Yeah. Well, I, I, we'll keep we'll, we'll stick on it because there's a there's a few really interesting goalkeeper stories in the league at the minute, and you know Joe Hart, uh, I think Mark Webster, our old and well, our incumbent. Um, presenter would day. I think he said to me something like, "There's there's more chance that Zabalé's hair growing back than Joe Hart getting back in the England team." Do you think, from a West Ham perspective, he's got, um, he's caused himself more problems by going there? Yeah, it, for, he's went from the the, the a similar sort of situation to you know last year to, uh, to this year at West Ham, and is it, is it ten goals you conceded already? Nine goals conceded. Yeah, like yeah. That, isn't it? Yeah. it, it, it it's uh, it, he was never going to. He was going always going to be busy, and it was never going to be a case where he's going to be keeping clean sheets and uh, and giving himself the best opportunity to keep his shirt. Um, we're a year away from the World Cup. Uh, we, it's probably the right time for me now to start preparing for that. There's no way we're not going to qualify for it. You can, I hope we don't come back and replay that. But, but <laughs> I've lost to Malta. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it, yeah, it, so now's the time for me. It was to for a decision to be made. Not whether the decision wasn't to be made. Whether Joe Hart should still be number one. The decision to be made is whether it should be Jack Butland or Jordan Pickford. Now yep. Jordan Pickford's obviously injured. He's been pulled out of the squad. So now for me, it's the ideal opportunity to put Jack Butland in. Not because just because it's Malta and it's a good game to ease him into. Is to with the the. the the forethought or the foresight of of, uh, of next year's World Cup and making sure that he has games under his belt before we go there because I mean it was just talking about Tom, uh, Rob Green there you know, yep. we went to South Africa he plays the first did he play the first two games? Yeah yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Let that horrible goal in against yeah. the USA and it, there was a lot of pressure on him because he, he, he hadn't been the, the number one choice for a long time So and, and that's very important I think Jap now is the right time to put Jap Butland in and he's full of confidence he's shown no sort of um, after effect of his injury from last season so I think it's the right time for him um, Dan in terms of management changes I mean we all we were just speaking before this about QPR but moving it into the, keeping it in the Premier League for now what do you think it's getting ridiculous in terms of th- three games to judge someone and it's three games into a season and people want heads on blocks already How, what, do you, what, make, what do you make of that? Yeah, that's, I think that's the way it is now, isn't it? It's, it's a strange thing because you can lose, if you're a mid-table side, you could lose three games in February or something and, you know, it'd be like, well, they're going to finish mid-table, they're going to be safe, there's no questions asked. You lose three games at the start of the season, doesn't matter who you've played, doesn't matter whether they're all away from home, doesn't, you know, that's all irrelevant. The yeah. pressure's on you because, you know, the, the press in particular have to focus on the sack race, you know, who is going to be the next one. So... You know, Phil. You know, Bilic was under pressure really already from mm. last season. So that's you know, I, I can understand well, that's that. A over, bit more, hasn't that's carried it? Yeah. over. Yeah. Well, yeah. Frank De Boer, you're asking. De Boer was already yeah, you're asking yeah. someone to come in and say, "All oh, right, we're gonna we're gonna play like Ajax now, having yeah. just been really quite well, not really successful, but quite successful." 
playing the kind of football Allardyce plays and, the, and before that the kind of football Tony Pulis plays. Well, that's well, this is it. So stylistically, just to put that into context, how how much should that be consideration of the owner to sign the right manager? Because that's a real process of um, changing mentalities as much mm. as changing a squad and changing the mindset of players. Is that because that that takes longer than just three games? Yeah, but I think with Crystal Palace, it wasn't such a shift because. I think he probably. I think Sam only had, did he have one transfer uh, window yeah. where he made a few changes. Yep. So there wasn't a huge overhaul from Alan Pardew. So he still had the the cover side who were yeah, they're not maybe what Frank de Boer would want, uh, but he, they still had the likes of Kabay in there and attacking players like Van Aanholt and yeah. And so it, it, it wasn't such a huge culture change. It, it, he's, he's done a quick Sam Allardyce done what he's done a quick fix. He's changed mm. it round. It worked. And then they've kind of went back to to what what the owner yeah. sees the club is is what he wants in the future the way he wants them to play, but it's like that you know you talk about Billich the he hasn't been given a chance you know because of the, they're in the new stadium they've had three away games um, it happened at Sunderland for the last God knows how many years simply because they, uh, whoever's in charge at Sunderland thought it was a great idea to have concerts at the stadium which meant that the first. Uh, Away game, uh, the first game of the season was always away, and because there's so much, uh, so much pressure early in the season, that can make a hell of a difference. And and certainly with Billich playing three away games straight yeah. off the bat, that that, that could be the difference. And, and all it takes is that sort of that sort of situation, that momentum to grow, and it builds really quickly, doesn't it? I mean, going back to Allardyce, so do you think they've given it enough? I mean, do you think Allardyce? Realised that this was a potential. This was because taking over at Christmas, there is a no, you know, last chance saloon, no hope given to him. You know, uh, there's a there's a point where he has to go. Well, I can't lose really because no one's expecting this. I think it was probably a different situation to Tony Pulis, where I think the owners uh, at the time uh, thought that could see Tony Pulis being a, sort of a manager long term. Yeah, and then he's the one that's pulled out. I think Sam's went into this situation knowing that it's only going to be a short term for certainly for him and uh, and you knew there's going to be a new manager coming in I know there's talk of him perhaps coming back or being approached to come back I can't see that happening to be honest yeah. with you and I think Frank, I mean Frank de Boer was it 45 days he lasted at, uh, at the end of the yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a telling it, stat it, well this it and, and for, for some of, of uh, who was such stature as a player and did a mm. good job at Ajax as well Everyone does a good job of Ajax. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 you know, it, that also could mean uh, where does he go after that? You know, if 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 he's sort of an, another tenure where it's less than three figures of days. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and with, yeah, that's that's quite yeah. That's a very depressing thought for yeah, him. Yeah, but, but you know, I mean, I mean, it sticks with me. Sticks with him, like like so Brian Clough and, and Steve Koppel when they've done it once. If it happens twice in your career, no come back from it. Well, that's it. Um, we'll take a quick break here, and uh, we'll come back with more uh, chat about the transfer market. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labbrooks. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us again at the Whistleblowers. Um, just coming back to that, the, the transient, the very the nature of people's expectations and how quick things are changing. The transfer market's another really interesting one, particularly during this window, because it almost seems like there's been a shift over the summer in the way people view things. I mean, I, I don't know if it was a case of before people were just being a little bit wiser with the money and it was the big guy spending, but now it seems to be everyone's 
willing to throw a lot of money at, at high risk situations. So I'm, I, 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 just to pull out a few of the interesting ones, we've still got the Alexis situation, Van Dyke, Johnny Evans, Coutinho. What what have you seen, Dan? That you that, that's, that's interesting, even in the last twenty four hours. Because let's face it, this is going to be out of date pretty soon. Yeah, I, it's it's. I think more than ever, it's the it's the it's the real money being spent on players that that are are good players. Don't get me wrong, but that you think even a year ago, no one would have thought of paying that sort no. of fee. I mean, you know, Johnny Evans is a really good defender. <laughs> yes, and you know, I. I just read Alex Ferguson's book the other week and, and it's written a few years ago and he's, you know, he really talks about him being a great, thought he'd be a future Man United great. Yeah. And um, I think he was a bit unlucky there and United maybe shouldn't have sold him. But, I mean, still, £30 million. Pounds. Is he great? And, and, uh, and also I, and back know, in the top tier teams. Yeah. I mean, I know City have to pay a premium. They always will. If they want to buy a player, yeah. they're going to pay lo- pay loads more than anyone else. Of course. But still, you, it's like, and the same with Chelsea looking at Danny Drinkwater, who's you know who's a really good midfield player. He's won won a, won a league title and everything. You can see why you might want to get him playing with Kante again. But yeah. twenty eight million for a player who's twenty seven and got one England cap. Yeah. And this is not a vintage era mm. of England players. It it's really not vintage era. No. You know, it's not Gerard Scholes, Lampard, Beckham, is it? No. So it's it, that's what. What surprises me, but that's because there's so much money coming. There's so much money coming in. So if you go down, you lose so much money. So you've got more money to spend, and there's more money to be got if you stay. So that's I think that's why everything's spiraling. Well, that's I mean the the, the money side of things. The, as the money's gone up, is the quality going down? Because ultimately, teams will be judged on their performances in Europe, and, and that's that has to be the yardstick. A kind of you know how, mm. how successful the team is against other countries is. Are the numbers purely for because we've seen them happen at Barcelona and Real Madrid, but they're also anomalies. Is it something that's that's getting out of hand, or do you think it will write itself? I think it's it's a great time for all the, the sort of data and numbers and all the analysis coming in because money is no indication of how good a player is at all these days. No, you know, you you, you go back to I think Maradona went to go on Napoli for five million. Yeah. It, 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 he's the greatest player in the in the world. It's a world record fee. Yeah. Ruth Hull at the same, uh, and and you can sort of it, it. It was always a yardstick of how good a player was. It's no yardstick at all now. Yeah. You know when you think um, Matuidi's just gone. Uh, did he got Juventus for eighteen million? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's a great point. I mean, that that's. But I mean, it, sometimes it's been something to get a player out of a contract or to to persuade someone, or there'd been a rationale for the the money. But are you are you saying that in terms of just? the players aren't of that quality. So that, as you say, well, Oxlade-Chamberlain going to Chelsea, is there questions to be asked the, of that signing or is that someone with potential? No, not with that one. Because, simply because I've, um, based on, well, I mean, I've seen a lot of them when he was a very young player. Um, he's thinking of the 21s and all the youth sides. And as a central midfield player, I thought he would go on and and, and be a, a, a great, and be in a, sort of like a, Kind of uh, the the front of a sort of a midfield triangle where it, I mean, he's not a, he's not a great passer of the ball. Don't get me wrong, at world class standard. Yeah. But for picking up the ball to, uh, on the half turn and driving past that first uh, sort of line of press that, that comes to him and getting past players the way that Gaza did. That's, yeah. that's what I saw when he was when okay, he was younger. So. And, and the fact that he hasn't been played consistently in one position. Certainly not in the central position anyway. It's sort of that's held him back, and I just want that's what I'd want to see from him uh, for the, the next club that signs him. That they just give him a, a sort of a, a constant, 
yeah, consistency in the position that he plays, so he can he can actually de- develop at that position. Do you think? But do you think he'll play in that position? I mean, in terms of the competition, he's got what, what Willian or Hazard's position more than than Willian, but there's a few guys there that that might be in his way. It's not easy. No, no, it's not easy. But also the ambition. Well, well, straight off the bat, no, probably not. But his ambition as a player would probably be better fitted to go somewhere and test himself because he's been a bit stagnant for a couple of years, and Arsenal have probably been a contributing factor in that. Dan, would you? Have you seen that from players that you you've had? uh, You know, from watching. uh, This is the thing: is watching on the terraces, you get a much better feel for the the people's mood about a player or about the players you know, her body language, because I think watching them throughout a game, you, you see more on a pitch, rather TV is not a good representation of that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think I think you can you see things in players that, that don't get shown on TV, especially these days where, I mean, the way certainly younger people are watching TV, uh, watching games is is really clips and highlights yeah. and sort of clip reels and skills reels and things. It's, that's really changed. So that players do bring things that perhaps you don't see. What, um, about, what about in terms of, we talk about the players' language, about the player power in these situations. So the fact that a player's got leverage. So we're in a situation with Coutinho. I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain probably laid out as well. I mean, just start yeah, you done. What, I, do, what do you make it? I don't think, I, I'm not sure that's true. I th- you know, Coutinho wants to leave and Liverpool aren't letting him leave. I, that's, to me, yeah. that's, not a, that's not a demonstration of player power. That's, no, that's, that's, but that's club power at the moment in his situation. Yeah, more point to um, the fact that there has been that shift, definitely. Mm. But also, ultimately, they're going to be missing out on his abilities because Klopp's a man of, you know, certain rules. There's a moral that he wants to show to the rest of the team that you can't mess me about because you won't play. And that's something that, that, that surely still rings true. Yeah, definitely. And, and that, was the di- that was another difference that people talked about um, for Sunday for the, for the Liverpool-Arsenal game. You know, Coutinho was left out. Wenger still put Sanchez and Oxlade-Chamberlain in, you know, knowing that at least one of them, mm. maybe both of them, could be gone four or five days later. So, I mean, that's an interesting sort of comparison to make, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I, as a player, I, I, perhaps at the lower leagues, I've, I've seen it more on the other side, where a club wants to get rid of a player and they've banished you out to the cold the and it's horrific yeah, yeah it's, it's really it's really unprofessional and when you've got a player having to work out what their PFO, PFA rules and regs are so that they can actually get to train you know so they've got five pros to train with or they, ha- they don't have to be brought in on a Sunday to do a bleep test on their own you know these sort of things are really kind of key things for the guys that were out in the cold to know that I mean I'm sure David you know that from your time No but I think there is a bit of a change in the essence because up to a certain point in the, uh, recently that it was all in the players' favour and, and players would get to sort of 18 months, a year before the uh, end of the contract. They'd panic and think, well, I'd ra- we'd rather just uh, lose the player and take the money now rather than lose them for nothing. Yeah. Where now, because the, the clubs have that much money now, they can afford to, to turn down... The, Hundred and ten, hundred and twenty million pound, yeah. and try and keep playing. But it, it also it's about uh, knowing the player, yeah. and obviously I think if I can see Coutinho, if he played, it wouldn't affect. He'd come back on the side, and it, and it wouldn't affect him. He, you know, he, he wouldn't be throwing the uh, any strops or throwing yeah. the, the toys at the pram. But having said that, I know that Sanchez is he, he's been the opposite end of the scale, and he's kind of you know these little sort of solo little sulks in the corner. It, at least he's he's still actually got on, and he's, his game hasn't suffered either. Well, that's that's the interesting thing. I mean, because Alex Sanchez is is this player that you always thought would his his attitude and his desire to play would always shine through, and 
obviously there's some strops and some body language issues, but he'll know it's in his benefit not to have a bad season because at his age, you know, you can't have 12 months of inactivity mm-hmm. or just in terms of his mental case, you know, a, a mental state, sorry, like we saw, um, who was the guy from Monaco went to Man United, you know, it's like kind of, that's played the strikers. Uh, oh God, that's yeah, terrible. Should, Falcao, should, yeah. Falcao, so Falcao, exactly same situation. You can just 12 months cannot put, put your five years back, mm. you know? Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I think for me, since, since I stopped playing, and they started coaching and they've started coming, working in the media. I've, I've found it easier to distinguish between the three and from sort of being a fan and uh, from a, a, just a, a viewer's perspective. I just, I'm, I'm actually sick and tired of all of the speculation, especially uh, if you give me one wish now, I wouldn't wish for like a uh, hundred million pounds. I wouldn't yeah. wish that I, you know I could live forever. I would just wish that Van Dyke, <laughs> Sanchez, Coutinho would just all just move and just go to their clubs, and then that'd be it. <laughs> I'd take living forever. I'd give that a go. Yeah. Well, yeah, our <laughs> hundred million yeah. quid, one or the other. I'd say <laughs> Brewster's millions. Um, well, listen, let's, uh, we've we've talked about a lot of kind of the negative aspects of the situations in the Premier League. There's a lot of positive stories as well. Um, Huddersfield being one of them, yeah. and uh, a man that's worked up in that kind of M62 band of clubs, as you've probably driven it many times as I have. Um, what do you make of that, David? Because I think it's a it's a brilliant story so far. But it's, again, well, let's come back to the three games. It's far too soon to be judging anyone over three games. But they've had a nice start and done very well with with the games that they've had. It is, and I think that's you know people question why that uh, British managers don't get uh, the opportunities that they used to and that there's a lot of sort of foreign managers certainly German managers at the minute coming over and it's because they have a, a, a very sort of um, the, the way that they're playing sort of everyone knows what they're doing it's very sort of deliberate uh, in every situation it's not it's not just a case of like well we'll set the team up like this and we'll, we'll, we'll there's no uncertainty yeah. no not exactly they put what they're doing is that they're putting the uh, the house in their favor yeah and, and it's the, the the way that it's worked out with Huddersfield you could see it going well whatever happens from now on you could ask before the start say you could see it going well simply because out of all sides, they're the ones who, um, they, they weren't coming into it with momentum. They fin- didn't finish, the, even though no. they came in the playoffs, which normally is that the, the team that comes to the playoffs is the team that does have momentum. Right. They make the run in there. They didn't have that. No. And uh, so they've had to work on it. And not usually, it's been a case the, the, in recent years that the likes of Southampton, Swansea, teams like that, they keep a big core that was placed together and just add one or two. So they carry on whatever momentum they've got. And, and certainly in Southampton's case, they did that through two, two promotions. Where they've, this year, they've, they've done what everyone used to do and they've brought in a lot of new faces. But the yeah. way that Wagner works, he's he's got them all sort of all the little cogs in the machine and and put them perfectly in place, and it's it's working well. And and the goalkeeper as well is a, is a prime example of that because a lot of people uh, in Germany were saying that he was the weakest keeper in the Bundesliga last season. They played twenty on appearance last year. That he would definitely cost them goals. Yeah. And he's been very impressive so far and, and not conceded any. Well, that's, uh, again, the the real challenge of coming up for a team like Huddersfield, it's of that size, the expectation on them and the fans perhaps feeling that it's just waiting for the bubble to burst. 
What yeah, you... exactly. I mean, I think normally one team has a has a has a decent or surprising start when they come up. Um, it was never QPR when we did it, but um, uh... <laughs> well, you must have had some. You had some good times. I, yeah, I, I think we lost four nil and five nil on our opening days on the two we came up. <laughs> but um, the uh, yeah the uh, uh, the great thing about them is that they, their defence last year wasn't amazing. Mm. Wasn't and yeah, it's free clean sheets. They haven't conceded a goal yeah. yet. I mean, it's it's really. Well, good. That's the thing. If you get, you know you you just eliminate the chance for conceding or you take that doubt away from the players and, and the guys that are on the pitch then you, you've always got something to build on mm. I, I, maybe a goal will undermine them so Huddersfield Huddersfield how did they go on? Well obviously the junior nil was Southampton as everyone knows and um, yeah it, it, they haven't a, a, like I said they haven't had a terrific start of the season with uh, the, they've played it's it's been quite a, a sort of a, a gentle um, easing into it and they'll, they'll be stiffer uh, tests ahead of for them, but like I said, you know the, the way the manager works, that it's very deliberate, and everyone knows what they're doing, and and, and they've made some very astute signs. As well. They have. Well, listen, let's let's touch quickly on uh, two teams that we haven't spoken anything about, which is seems incredible. Uh, the Manchester clubs. Um, has there been a shift in p- perception of of potential success this season with them? Because they're both in the Champions League, uh, and and Man United seem to have got a really good head of steam going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I you know I remember doing the show about a year ago, and I I wondered whether Mourinho was going to last the season then. So, wow. you know, I, I mean, he was it was you know when he was complaining about living in a hotel and stuff, I thought he yeah. lost it completely. But they've started really well. I mean, I poor thought, man, poor yeah, man, having exactly. to live in a seven-star hotel yeah. in Manchester. Um, he's in Manchester, I suppose. But um, <laughs> well, po- you know, always Pogba was always going to come good. He's, he's a brilliant player, you know. And he, I think he got too much stick last season, and that was based on how much he cost. You know, mm. it's like you know, didn't knock his confidence though, did it? Didn't really knock yeah, his confidence too much. Funny enough, man that worries about that. <laughs> he'd, he'd need a sledgehammer for that one. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Lukaku was a great signing. Defense is is rock solid, and but a bit like Huddersfield, they haven't had mm. the toughest start in the world to the beginning of the season. Well, that's so, really important. Yeah, yeah. that and, and Man United. Uh, being able to get that momentum in terms of goals. I, I, did you ever play at Old Trafford? Did you, I, I, I was on the bench a couple of times there. Yeah, I mean, the, you'd know the, what, the, the, the atmosphere and the feeling of being in that ground and under the cosh when they're, they're coming at you. Well, do you know, mine, mine was probably a little bit different because uh, the last time I was on the bench there was the, uh, you know, the famous Cantona chip. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Perez, was it? Was yeah, it? Lion Perez was in yes. goal, yeah. And so it was, and he should have been sent off in the, I, I, I've, I've done a piece about this where he, he should have actually, should have, have he should have been sent off so in the first should have been on the so pitch. So I should have been on the pitch. So it should have been me that should <laughs> have been getting shipped. Chip. Yeah. And I think you're a bit taller than Perez as you're well. You're not, and I'd, and I'd have been, you'd have got a finger to no, that. And I'd, I'd have been, <laughs> I'd have been stuck to my line. So there was no way he was going to, he would have chipped me from there. He just like, reached no. up and cooked yeah. it. But yeah. it, it, it made him look stupid. Even then, it was, like I said, at, at the time, they, they probably had like 10 minutes um, where they were, they were chanting, you know, the, the, the 12 days of Christmas Cantonar song. They were chanting that for 10 minutes. It was almost like it was fate. That's and surreal, then that's man. why he stood there just thinking, well, there you go. Yeah. There, there's, was, your, there's your Christmas gift. That was proper collar up pump time oh, for Cantona. Do, oh, do, do you know, at the time, it, even now, it's sort of like it's it's Premier League sort of folklore. Like, you know, it's it's every year it's shown on the TV and it's it's part of the Premier League's history. But at the t- even at the time, though, it was, it was proper hairs on the back of your neck stuff. Like, yeah, you know, no, that's it. And have you, have you ever been to, have you been away to City yet? <laughs> because, yeah, I've, I've sat on the bench, Old Trafford. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, when was that, yeah, remember yeah. that time? Remember that time you played? <laughs> No, I've, um, I've been uh, to Old Trafford, but not to see QPR. I was there for the famous England-Greece game. 
Oh, two, two. Yeah, Be- David yeah, Beckham's last-minute penalty. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. And a, and, a, and, a, and a few other games there. But uh, City, I haven't been to. My friend was there for when QPR lost and City won the league. Amazing. QPR stayed up. Was a, a, you know, still talks about that now. It's an amazing atmosphere. So Quite a, quite a, quite a game to be at. Yeah. I think oh. it was nice afterwards. You know, everyone was celebrating. So it was one of those well, Yeah, yeah. It's one, and, it's one time you not get the opportunity to get filled in, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. It's, we, quite, it's quite a nice walk down from Manchester City. Things have changed a lot in the, <laughs> since Main Road. He did uh, say, don't want to offend anyone at yeah, all. Yeah, part of him was relieved when the winner went in. <laughs> so. That would not have been a yeah, good atmosphere. Exactly, yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a really interesting fight. I mean, City are sort of just grinding, you know, you know, getting late goals and just about beating Bournemouth, whereas United are just brushing people aside. Well, I, I'd, so. I'd read that company had gone up to Mendy and uh, Silva and just said, uh, "Welcome to the Premier League," as yeah. a kind of underlining the madness and the intensity of these games, and just you know, fighting at Bournemouth and a team that are fighting for their life. Yeah, well, that's it. And I, I was at the uh, the Everton game at the City Ground last Monday, and. From for a neutral point of view, I would love to go to watch City every week. Whether they won, whether they lost, whether they drew, it, it just to just to go and watch them and watch them play, and you learn something from them every every game. And and even Saturday, you know, they they're not just you know they, we think of typical footballing, good footballing sides of not having sort of grit like an Arsenal. That's what the, the, their stereotype became because they, they were they were they could play good football, but they couldn't do the other side of it. When you see with with Bournemouth, uh, the Bournemouth game with uh, with City, yeah. they've got it in them to to make sure they keep going to the end and they, 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 they can grind the result result out when they need it. He keeps he keeps the team going, doesn't he? And they, they seem well drilled and all in in on the same and, and the same sort of philosophy and bought into the bought into Eddie Howe's mentality. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and I, th- I think that um, from their point of view, I mean, it was a hell of a goal, Charlie Daniels. Some finish. Oh, unbelievable! Just, it felt nice when watching it, didn't it? I don't know what it must have felt like to connect with a ball like that. Oh but. no, so it's, it's, it must be like you know when you hit a golf shot yeah. sweetly. Not that I've ever done that, like, but <laughs> it's. Uh, it, 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 well, it's, it could be an interesting time for, for Bournemouth, but like I say with Manchester City, even the fact like the week before against Everton, the other man sent off. Yeah. And then in this, for the whole second half, they make Everton look like the other the team with ten men. Yeah, you know, so it's uh, it's going to be really interesting. That like I said, it's it's too early to see how it's it's going to pan out. But I think it's going to be really interesting between the two United uh, Manchester sides. It is, and it's going to be it's going to be a very busy week for transfers. Um, we've got a rest this weekend because of the international break, so it will be a rest for us next week. But uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks to David Priest and to Dan Trelfer, who you'll be able to follow on Twitter, and we'll put the, the handles up at the end of end of the podcast. And uh, thanks for joining. I'll be Martin Gritton. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. Sports Social Podcast Network.